we are glad to have all of our friends with us. Uh, cannot say enough about that and our family. Uh, John and Janet Carrico, glad that they were able to come. My brother-in-law, Brother Greg, and my sister-in-law. Really, she's never been that. She's always been my sister, Brenda. Thank you for being here. And then all of our friends, Brother Rich Glass, so good, good that you could be with us today. Long-time friend, and I'm grateful for that. And uh, others, thank you for being here. Brother Williams, my, what a delight it has been to have you with us. And uh, I know that God's going to use him today to speak to this church. Now, all I'm asking you to do is let's just have church. This is not anything special today. This is just us having church. And we're glad that the Lord has already blessed his, uh, this place with his presence. And I believe the word is going to take us even to a deeper place. Brother Williams, welcome to Greater Life Church. Come on, let make him welcome today. Let's truly give that great bombastic praise to God and do it not only with our hands, but with a shout, with our voices. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. <laughs> hallelujah. It's been an honor to be here this weekend and see a church family come together and rally to honor their leaders and I commend you for your kindness and I am happy to have got to have an opportunity to come and to be here with you God is in this place of a truth and when God is in this place anything can happen anything can I want to say a thousand thanks to the Hughes family for their kindness to me and my brief stay and say thank you to each precious saint of God and minister here who has come to honor God with your presence in his house and everybody said amen, amen. you may be seated Pharaoh spoke and Joseph was elevated. Saul spoke and Ahimelech was slain. David spoke and Uriah was sent to his death. Solomon spoke, a temple was built. Ahab spoke and Naboth's vineyard was taken. Jehoshaphat spoke and angels ambushed an enemy. Nebuchadnezzar spoke and Three Hebrew boys went to a fire. Belshazzar spoke and Daniel was pitted against the lions. Herod spoke and John Baptist was beheaded. Festus Agrippa spoke and Paul was spared. And there was and indeed is a reason why. The Bible said where the word of a king is, there is power. Now unto the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever. Our King spoke and there was a creation. Our King spoke, there was an incarnation. Our King spoke and there came our soul salvation. He is that Blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who only hath immortality dwelling in the light which no man can approach, whom no man hath seen, to whom be honor and power everlasting. There is power here in this place today. There's power in these men of God. There's power in this people. There's power in this place because the word of a king is in this place. That's the source of our power. In the beginning was the word. Can't say that about anything else. 
In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us and had the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Before there was a mountain to climb or a man to climb it, before there was a galaxy above us or grass beneath us, before a fowl ever flew or a fish ever swam in the beginning, before it all was this Word. Quick powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit, joint and marrow, and is a discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. Paul told Timothy to preach the word, and I think we will. Paul said to preach the word, and we shall, because where the word of a king is, You're going to be saying it in your sleep when I get done. Where the word of a king is, there is power. And there's nothing we need more in this out-of-orbit society than we need the demonstration of God's power. When those priests gingerly settled the ark into its set place, in Solomon's magnificent temple, the writer reminds us in 1 Kings 8 that that sacred symbol had been pillaged. Its treasures had been plundered by heathen hands and someone had burglarized the box, the golden pot of manna, which was a token of God's provision for his people was gone. Aaron's budding almond branch, emblematic of God's power, it was not there. The only thing left behind, all that was in the box were what appeared to be some worthless rocks with writing on them. Tablets of truth that Moses had brought down a mountain. The heathens had left God's word in the box. So when the priest pulled out the staves and stepped away from the ark, the Bible said that a cloud of glory so completely filled that sanctuary that no man could stand to minister because that word was enough then and that word is enough now. Without the bowl of manna, without the budding rod, the word was enough because wherever the word of a king is... No manna, no budding rod, just those rocks with writing on them was enough to fill the house with glory and it still is today. That's why there's power in this place. That's why there's power in this people. We have been born again by that word. It's in us. Think of it, this Bible written on two continents in countries hundreds of miles apart. Some of it in Syria, some in Arabia, parts of it in pagan Italy, others of it in Greece. It was put down in the desert of Sinai, in the wilderness of Judea. It was pinned in a cave in a dullum, a public prison house in Rome on the Isle of Patmos in the palaces of Shushan and Zion. It was written by the rivers of Babylon and on the banks of the river Shabar in the book of Ezekiel. This tapestry of truth that is our Bible emerged miraculously from all of these diverse scenes and circumstances, but there is no other book anywhere that can compare to it. So we are going to preach and we are going to preach the word like God said. It wasn't just written in a diversity of locations, but languages as well. Hebrew, Aramaic, Greek. Some writers writing hundreds of years before or after others. The earliest of it was written some 1,500 years before the one who ended it was even born. Kind of hard to stay on topic, you'd think, huh? Penned over 16 centuries of time by a king on his throne and a herdsman with his flock in a field. It's divinely inspired, but it was put down on parchment 
by princes and poets and philosophers and fishermen, prophets and priests and publicans and politicians. Some of them were men learned in the ways and wisdom of Egypt. Some of them were educated in schools of Babylon. At least one of them was trained at the foot of Gamaliel. They were men of every grade, every class. They did it in tents and deserts and cities and palaces and dungeons. You with me? They did it in times of imminent danger and seasons of ecstasy and joy. They did it with poetry and prose and letters and allegories and proverbs and parables. But out of all of it, out of all of that diversity, there comes one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, Father of all, above all, through all, in you all, all in all. Out of all that diversity, there comes one form of doctrine and one plan of salvation and one preeminent person. One preeminent person living and breathing on every page, towering above it all is Jesus Christ, saying, search the scriptures, for these are they which testify of me, for of him and by him and through him are all things. The Bible is a book of divine disclosure. It's just a book about God. Amen. Hebrews 5, 9, he's the author of our salvation. Amen. Hebrews 1, 3, he's the brightness of God's glory. And Isaiah 32 and 1, he's the cover from the tempest. You can just break in anywhere and say, yeah! John 17, 26, he's the declarer of God's name. And Hebrews 1, 3, he's the express image of his person. Luke 7, 34, he's friend of sinners. Matthew 12, 42, he's greater than Solomon. And Acts 3.14, he's the holy one and just. Hebrews 6.18, he's immutable. Acts 13.39, he's the justifier of all. And Ruth 4.14, he's our kinsman redeemer. In John 1.29, he's the lamb of God. In Romans 3.25, he's the mercy seat. In Philippians 2.9, he's the name above all others. In Revelation 22.13, he is omega. In Romans 9.21, he's a potter. In John 5.21, he's the quickener. Deuteronomy 33, 27, he's our refuge. Psalm 3, 3, he's our shield. John 6, 48, he's true bread. Come down from heaven. Ephesians 3, 8, he's unsearchable. In John 10, 4, he's the vanguard going before us. In Zechariah 2, 5, he's a wall of fire around us. I'm here to tell you, he ain't just the... We haven't touched the tip of the iceberg yet. Where the word of a king is, there is power. Clap your hands, all you people, and shout unto God with a voice. Amen. Every book, 66 books, amen, and every book is brim full of his person, his power, his presence. He's everywhere, all way, at everything. And wherever the word of a king is, you're not ever going to forget it. You're going to be saying it in your sleep tonight. There's power. He was an Abraham offering Isaac in sacrifice. He was in the brazen serpent raised in the wilderness. He was in in Joseph, sold into Egypt for silver. Jesus Christ was foreshadowed in all of that. In Adam, the head of the human race. In Melchizedek, a priest without number of days. In David, king of his people. Aaron, the high priest of God. All of them. Somebody say it. All of them. Say all of it. Say everything in the book. It's just... Shadows that gave way to the substance that was Jesus Christ. Noah's Ark, 
tabernacle in the wilderness, the water flowing from a flint rock, manna coming down from on high, the pillar of cloud by day, the pillar of fire by night. Somebody say it's all Jesus. All of them, all of them finally found their fulfillment in him in so much that in him we live, in him we move, in him we have our being and we are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. Come on now, listen to me. The Bible is a book about God and where the word of a king is, there is power. about this. What man makes, man can destroy. Right? But every effort to discredit, every effort to destroy this book has failed. 300 years after Christ, Diocletian came along and tried to obliterate the Bible and his belief. He turned the political and military might of his empire against God's word. Edicts were issued and so many Bibles were burned that he actually raised a column over the image of a burning Bible to commemorate it and he put an inscription over it. Diocletian did. And it said, the name of Christians has been extinguished. But I can tell you this morning that Diocletian is dead but the Christians in our Bibles are still here. Amen? Yes. Missed that one. More than two centuries ago, Voltaire, everybody say Voltaire. He said this. He said, in 50 years, the world will hear no more of the Bible. And here we are 150 years past the prediction of our demise, and I'm preaching from it still. Ain't I one messed up little guy? Paradoxically, in the same year that a first edition of all of Voltaire's works sold in a parish bookstore for eight cents, in the same year, a British museum paid the Russian government a half million dollars just to get a copy of one ancient Greek Bible. And Voltaire would probably turn over in his grave if he knew it. But in 1950, the World Bible Society put its headquarters in his house. (laughs) Where the word of a king is. (laughs) Well, Immanuel Kant was an 18th century German philosopher who has influence still today. You college people know that. It's still influential name in modern philosophy. And, and Kant said there would be no more Bibles by 1900. It's 2023. There's no manual Kant, but we still got our Bibles. The boaster is gone, but the book is still here. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled. Till heaven and earth pass, one jot or tittle shall in no wise pass from the law. The word of the Lord endureth forever. I wish somebody with a strong voice would shout forever. Forever. Clap your hands and shout it. The word of God is here for stay. king is because because this word is not bound Paul told Timothy the word of God is not bound everybody say that's good not by time not by circumstance 
The Word of God is never bound. It's free to do whatever it will whenever it wants to whomever it desires. You and I may be bound. We are sometimes emotionally. We can be bound financially, physically. We may be bound spiritually, sometimes circumstantially. But the Word of God is not bound because the Bible said that God watches over His Word to perform it. God is watching over his word just waiting for somebody to say something he's watching over his word to perform it the word of God is not bound as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven and returneth not thither but watereth the earth Make it that to bring forth in bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please and it shall prosper in the thing whereto it is sent. Somebody shout yes. Whenever, wherever, by whomsoever this word is spoken, God watches over it to perform it. of the Lord go to and fro throughout the earth seeking someone whose heart is right toward him that he might show himself powerful in their behalf listen somebody think of it now tomorrow when you start reading your Bible you just gotta get a, get a, get a little imagination here God's watching over his word he just he's just just waiting for somebody to say some of it he's just he's waiting for somebody to stand on a promise he's Waiting for somebody to speak a prophetic utterance. It's not bound by time. It may take days, decades, dispensations. But every promise will come to pass. That unnamed prophet from Judah appeared at Bethel to curse Jeroboam's altar. You guys remember that? And he predicted that a child by the name of Josiah and the seed of David. Here's what he said. He said, a child is going to sacrifice the bones of the priest of the high places on the ashes of Jeroboam's altar. Now, now, he said that 322 years before Josiah was even born. Called him by name. It was 348 years after that prophet, that unnamed prophet. He wasn't even the first line. He was the fill-in guy. It was 348 years after that dude said that when almost as a footnote the Bible said the altar that was at Bethel which Jeroboam had made Josiah break down and burned it and stamped it to powder. But see that wasn't all the prophet said. He said he's going to burn the ashes of the priest. Is that right? And the next line says that as Josiah was turning to leave, the hand of prophecy reached out and grabbed him. He said, whoa, baby, we're not done. Come back here. And the next line says, Josiah spied the sepulchers and took out the bones of the priest of the high places and burned them on the altar. Here's the kicker. According to the word of the Lord. 348 years later. It's not bound by time. Woman had an infirmity 18 years. A man was lame for 38 years. Lazarus was dead. Four days. 
None of it mattered. It's not bound. Everybody say it. He watches over it. He's watching over it. Yeah. Oh, Josiah, youngest king is whatever, had jumped on his horse and was headed out, thought he had done what he came for, tore down that altar. And but God's out here watching over his words. Whoa, hey, come back here, but you got to go over there and get the bones of them priests out of that sepulchre. According to the word of the Lord. It's not bound by circumstance. No matter how adverse. It doesn't matter how many barrels of water Elijah pours on the sacrifice. The fire is still going to fall and consume. Think about this. When that balding old prophet Elisha had passed away. He died having done 13 miracles. He was one short of that final miracle. That Elijah, his forebear, had told him he would do. Double portion. Double portion. And so he died with that unfulfilled promise hanging like a Damoclean sword over his head. But God was watching over it. You got me? And there was a gang of guys going to bury their buddy and they spied some Moabites and they panicked and they took the body of their dead friend and threw it in an open sepulcher nearby. And when they did, that dead boy hit the bones of Elisha and sprang back alive and jumped up out of the hole. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I'm telling you where the word of a king is. There is power. This word is not bound. John 21, Jesus is talking to Peter and some of the others. And he looks at Peter and he says, When thou art old... And then rattles off what's going to happen to him. See, that's why when Herod had killed James, parted him with his head, you know, because and they had put Peter in jail because the Jews were so excited about him killing James, he thought he'd kill him another one. But it was a holiday, so he had to wait till the long weekend was over, and so he locks him up in the jail. And remember when the angel came and the Bible says that, that he had to wake Peter up? Dude's, dude's in, in jail. He's chained down. He's got guards on both sides of him. And they're going to kill him in the morning. And the angel has to wake him up to get him out. See, you can sleep when God's word has said, when thou art old. And you ain't know. So you know Herod couldn't kill you with an atom bomb. Right? Peter said, I think I'll get a good night's sleep. He knew Herod couldn't kill him. He wasn't old yet. Behold, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing, 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 nothing shall by any means harm you. That's what the word of the king said. You know what Isaiah 8 said? Behold, I and the children whom the Lord hath given me are for signs and for wonders. You know what he's saying? The reason God gives you kids is to have somebody to do miracles to. That's what he said. I and the children of the Lord hath given me for signs and for wonders. Mark 16 catalogs that long litany of supernatural acts and then concludes by assuring us these signs shall follow them that, that's us, that believe. 
Acts 14, God granted signs and wonders to be done by their hands. In Hebrews 2, 4, it says that he was bearing them witness with both signs and wonders and divers, miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. Are you hearing me this morning? It's a truth not of just the new, but of both testaments. The sun stood still and the meal multiplied and the pottage was purified and the axe head did swim. I'll pause and let you say amen every now and then. The heavens dried up. Ravens fed a prophet. A rod blossomed. A river parted and a mountain smoked. Fire fell. A manna appeared. Water flowed from a flint rock. The sundial moved backward. The moon halted. Water became wine. Tax money was found in a fish's mouth. A lad's lunch fed thousands. Lepers were cleansed. The maimed were made whole. The lame walked. The dumb talked. The deaf were made to hear. And the blind were made to see. And the dead received life again. And what he was, he is. And what he did then, he's doing still. Bearing us witness both with signs and wonders and divers miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost and clap your hands hard unto Jesus Christ. <laughs> My wife was up singing this song one Sunday morning in church and there was a lady her name was Bobby Thornton. If, if you'd have been at our church today, you'd have had to dodge her. She would have been out dancing all across the front. Really. And she had a stroke. And she, she had been coming to a Friday morning prayer group. She wasn't in church. She had never been to our church, in fact. She just came to that Friday morning prayer group. She liked the people. So she had a stroke, so the Friday morning prayer group went to the hospital because they wanted to see her. And when they got there, the doctors were wheeling her into a video room to show her what her life in a wheelchair was going to be like because she was paralyzed. So they stayed. They watched. And so her tall, skinny husband, James, he had never been to church either, but after she got out of the hospital, she wanted to come. So James put her in the wheelchair and drove up and they helped get her out. He parked her wheelchair by the back row. and That went on for a few weeks. And this Sunday morning, Debbie was just up there singing. And I looked and, and a couple of the young adults had moved across the aisle and they were having a prayer time with Bobby Thornton. Bobby Thornton's this, this is this new. She's, you know, so. And so I, 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 the Spirit of God was moving. I, I'm fixing to preach and I think that's important. And so... I thought, you know, this will die down. And they kept praying. They got to praying more and more people started coming and getting around Bobby. And then this was the, the, the coup de taught, you know. They put their arms under her arms and pulled her up out of that wheelchair. I'm not making this up. And started dragging that poor woman down the aisle. Her leg, She's paralyzed. They've got her one on one side, one on the other. And they're just dragging her, her feet, you know, toes down the center aisle and I'm thinking sing louder Debbie sing louder do something anything where the word of the king is when they hit the front row when they got side the front pew you could see it physically yeah you could see the power of God hit that woman she threw them off and started walking and running and dancing across the front of that church. She did. And so, where the word of the king is. So that Thursday, when her home therapist rang the bell, huh, Bobby answered the door. Now that'll mess with your mind. And she started trying to tell him what happened. And she said, oh, foolish. She said, I don't know how to tell you. She said, there was a doctor there and he saw it happen. Here's his number. Call him. He'll tell you. Don't you know, 
He's watching. He's watching over his word to perform it. See, the same promises that help us, I'll hush here just a second. The same promises that help us sometimes haunt us when we see the difference between what we read and our reality because we're not always good at this. The dichotomy that exists between his promises and our performance, our expectations and our experience. And so not a few of us sometimes get confused, confounded by the fact that what's true in eternity and what's settled in heaven doesn't always seem to be true in time or settled on the earth. But there's an answer to that. There's an answer to it. We simply have to learn to pray the promise to pass. The word, this, this prophetic word that has been spoken by God and penned by men and providentially preserved, the word, everybody say it's the seed. Conception has taken place. It has been spoken and the seed has been planted and there is life. Jesus said, my words are spirit and they are life. But before anybody plays with the baby, somebody's got to bring it to birth. And that means we pray the promise to pass. We settle on earth what has already been settled in heaven. We pray the promise to pass. Elijah tells Ahab, Get thee up, eat, drink, for I hear the sound of abundance of rain. But the very next verse says, Elijah went up to Carmel, cast himself down upon the earth, and prayed that it might rain. God had said it. Don't go to sleep on me now. God had said it. That settled it in heaven. But Elijah had to settle it on the earth by praying it to pass. Right? In the same breath. Think of this. I'll give you a New Testament example. Jesus Christ said, Behold, I send the promise of the Father upon you. Tarry in Jerusalem until you endure with power from on high. The promise had been spoken. It was settled in eternity. Hell could not hold it back. There weren't enough demons in the darkness to stop the Holy Ghost from coming. But that 120 had to get together and pray it to pass. They settled on earth what had been spoken in heaven. They settled in time what had been spoken in eternity. And you and I have that same power now that they had then. Where the word of a king is, there is power if we will just pray the promise to pass. Clap your hands, it'll make you feel good. It's not always a cakewalk. God said, Jeremiah, they shall fight against thee, but they shall not prevail, for I am with thee. And I have made you this day a defense city, an iron pillar, and a brazen wall. The psalmist said it this way. They intended evil against you, and they imagined a mischievous device, but they are not able to perform it. In other words, they would if they could, but they can't. Yeah. For this purpose, the Son of Man was manifest, that he might destroy the works of the devil. I have spoken and I will bring it to pass. I have purposed it and I will also do it. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Stand to your feet and no man shall stand before you. All thy days. I got COVID in July of whatever it was, 2020. And uh, I was incoherent, or at least they thought I was. And so, my wife had had it, I got it. I wasn't real sick, I was just crazy. And so, my oldest daughter lives in, they passed her in Ohio, and she called her mother. 
she said, Mama, you need to check Daddy. Something's wrong with him. I just heard him on the phone with Paul. and She said, he can't put two sentences together. You may think that's still lingering, but I'm mostly over it. And so, that's good. I'm glad you're doing that. It'll encourage him. <laughs> so Debbie comes to me and says, Mike, and starts asking me questions, you know, interrogating you. Well, nobody likes to be interrogated when you have COVID. And so I said, I'm okay, I'm okay. And so she keeps, and she looked like to me she was about a thousand feet away. She was actually in my face. And so she starts asking me questions and I can't, I'm incoherent. I, I, don't, I don't know where I'm at. I don't know what's going on. So she calls a couple of friends, Anthony and Ronnie. They say, get an ambulance, Debbie. Get him in an ambulance. Get him get in the hospital. So I don't even know what's going on. Ambulance comes. They take me down the stairs. Put me in. I don't know the date. I don't know the president. I don't know the month. And, and back then, you know, everybody was scared at hospitals. They, as soon as you walked in the door, they stuck you in a room and stayed as far away as they could. So I'm in this room in, in the ER. And I don't have my glasses. I don't have my phone. I'm in the same clothes I came in in for 24 hours. Nothing to drink, nothing to eat. But I got to feeling better. And so they moved me to the new COVID ward where all, all the nurses were really happy to have been assigned there. and They wanted to come sit and chat with you while you recovered. And, and so on the third night, they did a brain MRI. And so when they finished, they had, that's the way they had held me hostage. They kept saying, you got to have a brain MRI. They told my wife the first night the neurologist did an ER when they brought me in. He said, your husband has had a stroke, which I hadn't. So don't go tell that. And he said to my wife, if you had brought him sooner, we could have helped him. So help me. She said, but you waited too long. And I'm not sure we can do anything. So she sat on a concrete bench in the dark two or three o'clock in the morning out in the yard outside the ER by herself, crying. And so after they did their MRI on that third night, they did it late at night, I, I, I went to the door. The nurse liked to have a fit. And I said, I'm going home. She said, no, you can't. I said, watch me. I may have been incoherent when I came, but I got my senses about me now. She said, your insurance may not pay. I said, tough. I'm going home. So I called my doctor. He's in our church. And I said, I'm going home. I'm leaving here. They're going, I'm going to go crazy in this place. He, he said, Pastor, you can't do that. They have to sign you out. I said, then you need to find whoever has to sign me out. And he wasn't real happy that Hospitalist, when my doctor called him at 11 at night to ask if he would come back and sign me out. But I waited, and he showed up. And about 1 o'clock in the morning, I walked out. Later that week, my doctor's on the phone with me, and he said, Pastor, he said, did you go get that follow-up MRI? I said, pardon me? He said, did you get your follow-up MRI? I said, I don't know what you're talking about. He said, that's why they were trying to keep you. He said, they found a lesion on your brain that wasn't there last year. He said, you may have a brain tumor. I said, okay. I said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll let you know when I'm ready to have the MRI. And I took about six weeks and me and Jesus had some talks and I had three or four close friends. I'm telling the truth. Just didn't tell my kids. And so finally when I felt ready, I said, email me the order for the MRI and I'll take it to the place. And I, it came and I read it and under diagnosis it said brain tumor. And so I went and I got it done 
and, and like four days go by. Nobody calls me. Nobody tells me. And so my wife calls the doctor. She said, just tell him I'll call him tomorrow. And he calls me and he said, okay, here it is. They don't know what it is. But they know what it ain't. I said, okay, what ain't it? It's not a tumor. It's not a cancer. They, he goes down and he said, they don't know what it is. They just know what it's not. And he said, they said, if you want to look at it somewhere down the line a year or two, they'll look at it. But as far as they're concerned, they said, just go home and enjoy your life. That's what what he's doing. Are you you hearing me? He watches over his word to perform it. I don't usually talk about myself, but I'm going to tell this because it's connected to that. And I'll, I promise I'll go and you don't have to ever listen to me again. I was at my doctor, the same doctor for a normal checkup. And he said, we got a problem here. I said, what's that? He said, you remember when you were in the hospital COVID? I said, yeah. He said, they did a transthoracic or something echocardiogram on you and the results were not good. I said, and you're telling me this two years later? He said, well, they, they didn't contact me. He said, you know, it was, hospitals are crazy. COVID was going on. and Somehow they didn't get it, but I found it in your records today. So he got pictures out and he showed me that my heart muscle had swollen and taken up the empty space where the blood's supposed to pool. And there was some name for it. The part I heard was he said, you have heart failure, Pastor. I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, that's what it's called. And so, and so he said, you need to have another echocardiogram because that was two years ago. I said, okay. I'll let you know when I'm ready. And I went to him. And when they put me on that machine, this lady had done it for years and years and years. She's talking about COVID and everything that happened during COVID. She said, I guarantee you COVID did this to your heart. We saw this a lot. She's telling me all this stuff. I'm just laying there quiet. She said, I'm just going to tell you, Mr. Williams. She said, if this one looks like your last one, me and you are headed down to ER for cardiac treatment. I said, okay. And she finished and she said, I'm not supposed to do this. She said, go enjoy your weekend. My doctor sends me a text a few days later. He said, perfectly normal heart. He said, everything that was there is gone. Where the word of a king is, there is power. Clap your hands and shout with me unto God for his greatness in our lives. God wants to do miracles for people right here in this house today. I believe God wants to do miracles this morning. God is here because His Word is here. His Word has been declared. His Word has been exalted. This is the atmosphere in which God works. I'm not going to beg you. 
Because I'm not looking for people who aren't looking for God. But I'm going to tell you what I really believe we ought to do. And y'all, please forgive me for talking about personal stories. I don't ever do that. Forgive me. Maybe God wanted somebody to hear it. But I want everybody that wants God to do something in your life or family. I want you to find your way in just a moment as close as you can get to the altar, aisles, or wherever. And I want us to prepare our hearts to link arms and link spirits and to storm the throne of God and remind Him, God, you said wherever your word is, there's power. And I'm coming to you because I want a miracle in my family today. I want a miracle in my family today. I want a salvation miracle. I want a healing miracle. I want a financial miracle. I want a family miracle. I wonder how many of us are willing to come and storm the gates of heaven. Come on, I'm asking you. Join hands with somebody or whatever you want to do. Raise your voice unto the Lord and cry out to God. Come on, take hold of a friend, a family member. Let's reach out to God. Touching anything, God will do it. Yahweh.